This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. My favorite uh, two days of the year in Yeshiva is uh, Yom Kippur and when Rabbi Aaron Lampiansky comes to give the Q&A. I guess it means I'm a sixth Inui. That's the... That's, uh, <laughs> So, um, it's now a big, big kus to have the Rosh Hashiva here. I happen to be um, a, a faraway Talmud. Rebbe doesn't know me, the Rosh Hashiva doesn't really know me so well, but I'm a big Talmud of uh, the Rosh Hashiva nonetheless. Every single day I use um, his farm, the Soide Torah, which I think is the most fantastic, um, one of the most fantastic farms to come out. Um, so I might have say, but I just, it's just it's an unbelievable work as well as Bentor for Life, um, and many other Sfarim, as well as the Shirim and Maharal. So uh, I have a lot, a lot of Akarsa Tov to Rosh Shiva for coming. This, this minute started many, many years ago, with Rosh Shiva coming and having a Q&A. It started, um, I don't know if Rebbe, Rosh Shiva remembers, but it, was, it went three hours long, or at least two and a half hours long. Can't promise it's going to happen that way tonight anymore. Well, we read the Sederis, but uh, <laughs> that's just the way it is. But without further ado, I'm going to ask questions that were posed to me to, to the Rosh Hashiva. And I'd just like to add, first of all, it's, it's been very special coming here. So it's a serious group, engaged. And the questions, I think, are there for discussion. So if people would like to follow up, the the Shaklavatari of talking about in Yanim that are so important is, is important itself. So and if, if there's if the Olam would like to add uh, or question so it's it's part of the of the learning. How does one stay motivated to do mitzvahs or minhagim that we do not know the reasons for or why we do them? So let, let's speak a little bit about why Why is there a chok? This, this week's parish is Mishpatim, and Mishpatim deals with the mitzvahs we understand. So, so let's give a marshal. Imagine a person is dating somebody. You're meeting, you're going out with somebody. Now, there are activities that you both enjoy. So imagine there would be no activities in common. One person likes sports, the other person likes music, this person never wants to live to see it, the inside of a symphony hall, this person never wants to be in a ballpark. It's not going to work to friendship. That's obvious. On the other hand, so let's say you like music, and your friend likes music as well, and you go to symphonies, but occasionally you have a request, you want to go to a certain place, and you need somebody to go with you. If the person tells you, I only will go where I want to go, where our interests are mutual, that's not a friendship, it's not loyalty, it's convenience. You know, if I want to go to the music, you want to go, then we go together. But there's nothing more than that. Any real relationship, marriage, or with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, needs to have both components. There needs to be an intersection of things that you both cling together to, and the 
preparation to do something for the other when you don't get it. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu would give us just chukim, we would struggle because something we can't relate to, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Our mind, our hands and feet can do a mitzvah, not our minds. But if, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu will only relate to us in the mitzvahs that we understand, then it's just a copy of myself. Where's the other? Where is my sense? And this is especially important. If the Rebbein Shalom is all-knowing, if he's the infinite wisdom, how could it be that everything that he says, I know? My mind and Akash mind is the same. So the relationship works that we can cleave together with the things we understand and we can say this is for you because you know it's right and I fall short so understanding that not understanding is part of the relationship and it's part of where HaKadosh Baruch Hu's understanding transcends our understanding that makes the relationship complete I think thinking along those lines is very important to help us understand that and that's why one of those, you know, that's why that type of attitude where if I don't get it, I'm not going to do it. So you mean to say HaKadosh Baruch Hu's intelligence is limited to your intelligence. That's really taking away from the relationship. Are other Hashkafas other than Haredi Hashkafa wrong, even if you wouldn't choose to live that way? So, of course, they're all wrong. Unless they, it's not only Haredi, it's, it's the mirror. It's not only the mirror, it's, it's my, my particular version of the mirror. That's the only right. I used to have a friend of mine, he was a very big Chacham, and we'd have a discussion, and at the end of the discussion, we'd say, the bottom line is, except for me and you, everybody's crazy. And about you, I still have my doubts. That was, that was the, the, the gist of it. I think it's important in general when we're thinking about different Ashkafas, to ask ourselves, A, two two axioms. There are Ashkafas that are wrong, by all counts, and there are Ashkafas that are different. And I need to ask myself, what are the axioms that determine, if a person does not believe Torah's Menashemayim, he can be a very nice person, I can respect him as a human being, but I cannot call his Ashkafa Torah by any counts. On the other hand, if a person puts great emphasis on a Rebbe, as, and instead of personal godless, which is a Chassidish approach, it's not my approach, but it, I can't label it wrong, I need to understand the person has the same basic axioms I have. The person means it L'Shem Shemayim, and, th- and therefore, um, I have to acknowledge it that it is Elu Ve'elu. So to acknowledge something as Elu Ve'elu, I need to draw up a set of beliefs and ideas that Elu Ve'elu Divin Kachayim, but this, this falls out of Elu Ve'elu. And then I need to ask myself, is this a sincere um, approach or not? If it's lacking sincerity, then... It may be technically valid, but I can't call it a derech So those are things we need to apply to all the different 
subdivisions and divisions in Kali Yisrael. If Sahal says that we need, need more people, should the Haredi community start to draft? And if not, why not? So it's, it's obviously a very difficult question. And in a certain sense, I would prefer not to discuss it. I want to explain why. There are discussions we can have. When people are falling and there's blood spilling and we are in the market we are, it's not... Um, you know, there, there's a time and a place to have a discussion. But I want to speak in more general terms if the question was raised. The army needed Haredi people a lot more in 48, in 53, in the early years, obviously, when, when the country was, was tiny, or literally. The reason for not going had to do a lot with preserving a certain mahalach, certain ruach, and 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 it's it's a problem because th- there's two different contexts. The context of we we I mean apidar hateva we owe a lot of what we have to the people whose blood was spilled and worked the land. And apidar hateva we owe an awful lot of power Yiddishkeit to the people who sat and learned. I grew up in America when it was on the way down, and what saved it were the yeshivas and the strong yeshivas, the full-time learning fire yeshivas, affected the entire gamut. Without that, we would have disappeared. And just all was not that different. So how do you strike the balance between the need the people sacrifice and the need to have a ruach, to have what to save, is a very tough one. Um, in the good old days, Sanhedrin would have decided but at least in the broad strokes, the understanding that a very strong, internally motivated Yiddishkeit, which means apart and distinct from a general ruach, is critical. How do you do that? How many people? How do you decide? Those are, those are extraordinary questions. Not, not, me, not for me to say, but just the understanding that this was, if we're to look now and to say to ourselves, you go to America, any city that didn't have yeshiva disappeared. Cities that didn't have yeshivas, there are old shuls there, there are museum pieces, or churches, chasashal. Places that had yeshivas changed. Yeshivas, I'm talking about yeshivas with real learning, with strong learning. Kolalim. Kolalim have, have turned cities around. How do you decide on such difficult issues? Now, I, I, I'm certainly not the person that can make that decision, and Again, I don't know if that's the decision now, but understanding why it's so critical to have yeshivas and real vibrant learning, is, it makes all the difference. How should one relate to Torah like Hasidus or Neo-Hasidus that speaks to them when it isn't their Mesorah or the Mesorah of their Rebbeim? Um So, it, I guess a few things. Hasidus in general, today, Mesorahs have overlapped. Um, Hasidus above and go to yeshivas that can be considered Litvish type yeshivas. It has changed. Yeshiva Bacham go to here Hasidus. Um, Rebbe the proximity in Israel has made many Mesorahs overlap. And I would venture to say for the benefit of everybody, 
People don't understand. My father grew up in Lita, real Lita, Kovna. He didn't see a chassid till after World War II when he when he came to America. He never saw somebody with a streimel. That's why in the it, 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 Those people never saw people in Yeshiva. It, it was different worlds. The overlapping of the worlds um, was good, and it enriched. It's like when you pollinate, it enriches. The problem is when you have rebellion, you know who's who. You have a certain sense of how solid a person is, how well-balanced, how even-keeled, how erlich. When you go to a different place and you hear strange things from strange people, you're not sure if it's just different or, or the people are, are, are really on the, on the edge. And that's why it's important to have somebody that can tug back a bit and say, you know, it's wonderful that you're inspired by this event, but it's a little over the top. It, it, it's an important control because it's it's too easy to get swept away in something which is interesting, inspiring, but but its way of life is very unsuited for you minimally, and 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 who knows how how close it is to to, to not being even killed. So there's a balance, getting enriched. I mean, when I went to Shimon Kate, so Bachem would go ahead and see Shalom. It was a very enriching experience. We go to see the basis stroll. That was extremely enriching. There were a lot of other feed. There was a lot of other good hashpa. But these people were big people, recognized people, and the hashpa was very positive. Today it's a huge market, and anyone with access to TikTok can open a chsidus. It's not a problem. And it's Lav Daska, the best Hasidus. And, and you couldn't tell the difference between a Hasidus that's sitting with two feet on the ground or, or three feet in the air. It, you really need somebody that can be there and say, it's good, I see you gaining from it. But I want to tell you a story, a personal story. I was uh, a bracha younger than you. I was in camp. I was 15, 16. I was very fortunate. I had a Rebbe. Reb Zedel Epstein's Chayin of Racha. Reb Zedel Epstein was my 11th or 12th grade Rebbe, and also in camp, he happened to be in, 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 in Camp Rebbe. He was one of the demus of a Machanach. He learned in Grodna by Pshemishkop. He was a big Balmusa, extraordinarily Erlcha person, big Yerushimayim, and very wise. And, and he was able to advise a range of people with the Yiddishkeit that's right for them. Incredible. Many stories I, I would share about him. His incredible ask himself what's right for this person, what's this? I was in camp and there was was Chaf of and there was Lobavich of Habrengan. I'm curious and I decided I want to go see it. I did the right thing, I didn't ask for shush and I went well, that's the way to do these things. One, one knows better than to, I, I'm sure here everyone asks for shush all the time, whatever they do, but in, in those days I, I wasn't sure, so I said, you know what, we'll figure it out later. So, in those days, so I had to go from the camp to Ganyasov, and Ganyasov to the city, that's how Bengen ended two in the morning. I got back, it was a whole night. I got back six, seven o'clock in the morning for Shachas. Seven o'clock in the morning for Shachas. I came to share, and I see from a corner of his eyes that Zedel is looking at me. So I obviously did all I could to stay awake all the way, and I asked questions, you know, I did it. When the shir was over, he called me over, and he smiled, and he said, I'm glad 
He said, if you go and it enriches your learning, then it's a very positive experience. If you would have gone and slept, then it's replacing the learning, and that's bad. And it was a very, it, it was a lesson, uh, it, 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 like, if the experience brings about that I do things that I'm supposed to do right, because I'm inspired and I'm turned on and I have a lot of simcha, then it's amazing. But if I'm beginning to replace real things with all sorts of activities, then it's a replacement. And replacements are never good. So it's one of the guides for asking yourself, is this adding or is this taking away? And, and that should be a helpful guide. Yes. So I, I would I would ask I would also assume to, that that's kedai to ask them, and I'll tell you why. There, there's two parts in in a sifrei chasid but in a sifrei chasidus, there is the vart and the inspiration, and so some sometimes it's not easy to pick up a sefer always and get and get you know it's a different language so you need help in that, but there are also certain chasidus that have a very specific derech how a person should act. If it's not compatible with who you are and what's good for you, then it will take you... So let's give a marshal. A, a, a safer that's going to be very extreme in, I don't know, Shmir say nine. In a way that's not shy to you. Um, you should walk with band-aids on your eyes all day and, and so on. So then it's not helpful. If there are a certain group of people, for them... It, it, it's a, it's a derech hachayim, and, and it's normal. So a person grows up like that, and that's his environment, and that's the sviva. But for a person that goes from a different place, and he, and he makes a very, a very big turn, it raises always doubts about if it's healthy or not. And that's why having somebody who you feel comfortable that knows you, and, and allow, is allowing you the, the breath to be able so. There are many Sefer that that, that, that enrich a person. But the Lamaisa part of it depends, and you have to ask yourself what's compatible with, with where I am and what's not. What is the best way to, to get a cheshek for, for Limerat Torah? And what is the point, at what point should one begin to worry if he has learned for a long time but still doesn't have that cheshek? Is, is, uh, want. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, many people um, develop at some point a cheshek in Torah, an enjoyment of it. And now there are two or three things, challenges. One is there is a lot of dry skills that have to fall into place before you actually um, can enjoy it. Taiching words is never fun. Putting commas in and figuring out where to put them in is never fun. Um, breaking your, your, your teeth on a, on a phrase and trying to figure out what it means. The beginning stages of Gemara are not easy. In yeshivas that are strong, they start very early. So by the time somebody is old enough then um, to, to begin to go into its depth, he has the requisite vocabulary, and and that's why it's a real a real reason why yeshivas should 
build those skills early. Those are ages when kids are still okay with learning skills, whereas when you mature, you're trying to deal with the ideas and the back and forth and so on. So there's a hurdle of getting those ideas in place, of getting those skills in place and so on. As that's one. Two, clarity is extremely important in enjoying it. What I mean clarity is not that you can touch the words. Can you, we, we emphasize Rasa Yeshiva um, doing Shakla Vitaria Balpeh in the afternoon Seder, which is the quicker Seder, because once the Gemara becomes three-dimensional, instead of saying the Gemara or touching the Gemara or explaining what, you're able to see two people arguing. And you're able to picture. This is the point he's making. This is the point he's making. Where are they coming from? Why are they arguing? What are the riots to this Mandiyam, riots to that Mandiyam? The day it becomes alive, for most people, that's a day when they can really enjoy it. So there's a process of accumulating skills. There's a certain maturity. Most people at 16, 15, 16, even 17, struggle with enjoying it. Many people at the age 20, 21, 22, really begin to get, it, get into it and enjoy it. Um, so giving yourself an amount of time and having, on knowing is the problem your skill level, reading level, and also trying to go through, explain the argument of the Gemara, explain Taisvis. What's the point that he's focusing on? Where is this problem coming from? How, can you, how did he try to answer it? Uh, why didn't he like the answer? If you're able to explain it, then I think it's very helpful in, in getting a, a geschmack and enjoyment. It, 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 because it is enjoyable, but, but you need to have the binion of it. You need to build it up the way, the way it should be in order to begin to enjoy it. What role should sports play in a person's life? And how much time should be dedicated towards playing? So, I, I think sports with a capital S versus sports with a small s. Physical activity is a necessity. It's a human necessity. Um, and people need to have physical activity. The, um, the, the different people have different levels of needs. But the one thing we do in Yiddishkeit is we distinguish between needs and aspirations and accomplishments. Food is a universal need. But somebody whose only topic of conversation is whose chocolate cake is better and what's the reason it's better and, and what's that, you, you begin to look at the person, you know, this person is quite crass. I, I mean, yeah, I like chocolate cake. And, and I, you know, I told about bus it's very nice. But you don't lig in it. It's not something a person should be embarrassed to talk about it. I, I know that in some very intellectual circles, talking about different restaurants and comparing different cuisine is very important. Not in our world. Sports as a way for a person to get exercise, to, to air out, is great. And whatever person needs, they should do. There are different needs. Everyone needs a little bit. Some people more active need more. But voting for a team and, and thinking about a team and, 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 and dreaming about anything like that, why? It's, it's a fantasy world. It, it, it's the most of food, at least. It, it has something to the body. It, it, sports, watching sports and who's a better sports player, 
it, it's a fantasy. Oh, it, it's a game that means nothing, played by people that aren't doing anything, except a lot of money. And 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 it, it's a world that I should learn to do without. Can I say it's usa? It's a derice. It's a burden. I don't. I don't think we need to serve. It's a world that it's a waste of my mind to think about it. There was a boy bus in yeshiva. He was a seventh, eighth grader. He asked me if he if you allowed a daven for the ravens to win or to lose. I'm not sure which one, but what one of the two was important to him. And it's the local team, I think, the Baltimore Ravens. And I told him, I'm very happy that you asked me that question. Because it means that all sick people have been healed. It means that all um, poor people have Pinoza. And all single people have found a match. And now the next important subject is there about having... Uh, is it important? Why should a person, person down for it? Why is it important that a team should win? So when you're playing sports, personal sports, then yes, it makes, it makes the activity fun. But that I should keep track of it. I think it's a thing that you have to start building a shkafa. Part of what Yiddishkeit does is teach us values. What's valuable and what's not valuable. People doing good things is valuable. People sacrificing their life, like there's so many people here that are doing. That's something that we can look and say, my gosh, people kicking a football around? Is, is that is that anything I should be thinking about? Is there anything should I, should I talk about it? Uh, you know, those are all things that I think it takes. It's a process. We grow up that sports is kaidish kadoshim, and and it's and it's important, and it's and, and this and that. It's a process of of, of detoxing. Say you know, at least when you speak about great scientists, I'm always amazed. People speak about great sports, but how about who, who, who created the best cures that did the most? I doubt anybody here, except for a nerd or two, would be able to answer that. No, nobody, who, 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 advanced, who advanced healing? There's now, there are now, there, there's now all sorts of genetic insertions you can do to heal sickle cell anemia, other things like that. Could anybody name those heroes? So the guy who hit the ball out of park is a hero. The person who invented a cure for sickle cell uh, anemia is, I don't know, something for the doctors. To, you know. it, 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 so I think if a person would think about, I know we grow up in a certain way, it's natural. I, I'm, I'm not saying that tomorrow we stop. But we start the process of saying to ourselves what's valuable and what's not valuable, what's important what's not important. And part of it is getting, that, getting the stupidity out of our systems. To add to that, we hear oftentimes of these kids who become professional or semi-professional um, with the claim that it's a Kiddush Hashem because um, they, they will sacrifice a little bit of their, you know, of their sports for their Judaism. So what's the counter? So, so I first, I, I do want to say it's admirable. I, you know, without judging, a person who be, becoming an important sports player is his life. He's very good at it. The fact that he's willing to take two steps down and never make it because of Shabbos, it's worthy of, of Haracha. I, I certainly don't want to take it away because it's a big nisayim, and, I, and, I, and I, 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 I think it's important to keep that perspective. Was it, is it right to devote your life to doing something which is inherently not of great value? It's a different question. I don't have to, you know, I, I do think it's important to admire people for doing good things when they're doing it. 
but a person should feel that his that his work is osik bishuvish olam. He's a doctor, a businessman. A businessman takes different economic structures and improves them. That's how businesses make their money. You, this guy was selling shirts. I did it much better, much cheaper. So there's an improvement. I did something. I, um, but but as far as I said, inherently it's a fantasy world, and being able to to, to understand that, I think is an important part of what we're doing in yeshiva is learning what's valuable and, and, what's, and what's not valuable. Rav Hutner has a, a tremendous maiman, erichin, um, erich, ayin reish chaf, meaning value or evaluations. And he speaks about giving value to something is uniquely human. An animal can prefer things based on drives. I'm hungrier than I'm thirsty, so I'll go for the food. I'm more scared than I'm hungry, I'll run to shelter. That an animal can do. But to sit down and say, this, this person is inherently of a highest caliber than that person, it's a uniquely human thing to be able to give erich for something. And, I, and, and, and learning what to value and how much to value is, is an, an integral part of, of learning. Rosh Shiva wrote a sefer, Ben Torah in the workplace. What are the few major things that Ben Torah needs to do in the workplace to be considered a successful Alaba? <laughs> um, Obviously, read the, read the sefer. Read the sefer, of course. <laughs> so it really depends on each person in each context. I, I, I want to share a, a story from somebody who was totally not from a person, an older person, older than me. He has a cash with the yeshiva. He, he supports the yeshiva. I learn with him occasionally. Brilliant person, very special person. And he his undergrad degree was in physics. Then he went to law school, and he's very very smart. And he applied to um, a very special law firm. And the person asked him. Um, the interviewer for the job asked him if you have um, if, if there's some sort of contradiction between a family affair and a corporate affair there's some clash between the two which do you choose and he said of course the family so then you're not for us um, and he said I sure I'm not if that's your opinion and he's, the guy said, "We want people that are in, that are all in it. We hope to be people who do well in our fields, and that is positive. And we hope to be successful. That's good. But who am I? Is a very different question than what do I do? I am not a lawyer. I'm a yid. I'm a yid who is practicing law." for his um, I do it as well as can be done giving my clients the service they deserve because they're paying me but it's not me it's not who I am I read a book someone not from not Jewish I think wrote a book about Reichman a long time ago they put out re- recently uh, I think an article or something but I read one that was written by a Andrew after, after it collapsed Reichman was an extraordinary wealthy family tremendous Ballet Stucker and and the people with tremendous integrity, really hush people. After the, the firm collapsed, 
with absolutely no hint of any wrongdoing. It was a typical thing, invest in a place that didn't work out. Somebody wrote a book, and one of the things that he points out was that not a single person who dealt with them in business had any idea of their private lives. They didn't know if they were married. They didn't know if they had kids. Klum. This is the world of working. When that's over, it doesn't intrude my life. I'm a yid. I have a mishpacha. I have children from Yechachamim. I'm a um, I, I do my stocks and chesed. It's not me. The outside culture, the world outside, is a world I need to know how to engage with it, how, how to present myself in a way that is evokes respect. But it's not me. Their ideas, and to be able to keep that balance and say, I am a person that a Kachbach put to this world to go through a life of doing many things. And coming back and giving it in the Cheshmer. That's who I am. My morning starts with Torah and Tefillah, and my evening ends with that. I do based on that. And it means when we have a choice of moving up and notching our careers, but it will take an incredible amount of time. It'll, it'll mean I have less time for my family, my kids. Is it right to make that sacrifice? We, we need to agonize the question. I'm going, I have a chance to move up, but I'll be in an environment that is so alien, it's so not terrific, so far from my values. Is it appropriate? The starting point is Neshama Shunasate Bitahirahi, Atavrote Tzat Al Kain Neshama by the Gemaras, Medina Gemaras, the first Brahim making the morning. If you set that straight, if every morning a person can say to himself, I just got a Neshama from you. What am I supposed to do with it? I have to make a husband. What are the right things to do? What are the wrong things to do? And when we go to sleep, and we say, I'm apple, and we say, okay, I'm returning in the shaman that I got, and I hope I will do things right, everything in the middle would fall into place if we, if we had those bookends properly aligned. That's for everybody, no matter what you are. That's it's very hard to wake up with Shabbos <laughs> yeah, we just spoke about it. <laughs> How can one connect to Sila and bring himself to overcome his laziness? Um, it's a universal problem, I think, and you know, it's, it's something that uh, everybody always struggles with. So there are different. Um, first of all, restructuring our habits. I mean, when you go to sleep, has a lot to do with when you wake up. Or don't wake up. That's that's you know it's it's obvious. But a, a, a person has to prioritize. When a person feels that that getting up is a priority, so then he has to put all his energy into it. The advantage of habits a Baruch Hu put into the world as a plus and as a minus. It's a minus. It's hard to get out of a bad habit, but a good habit tends to stick by itself. So if we, it's very hard to work on a lot of fronts, but if you decide that working on tefillah, and, and there's a point here besides the tefillah, when a person is able to start his day because he wanted to start the day, then it sets a certain discipline to the rest of the day. When a person starts his day when his moods allow him to start the day, it, then then you start off on on not that I'm in control of it. But my habits are in control of it. So if it's the right thing to focus on that, 
that a person needs to put his energy into it with the understanding that he's affecting the whole day. It's a sense of empowerment that I got myself out of bed and, got, and sat myself down. It, it gives a person a certain sense of being you know, in, in control and it has positive effects for the rest of the day. Is there such a thing as platonic relationships? And if not, and one is currently in a relationship, what should he do? <laughs> the so the, the, there was a um, Rebellion Lopian was uh, he um, was Kelm from Kelm and he was in the Mashkiach and a Bacha told him that he wants to go to Tel Aviv for a wedding this is Tel Aviv in the 60s um, and it wasn't as sneistic as some other places. So he told him, how can you go there? You know, you have all sorts of things you shouldn't. So the said, Rebbe, it doesn't affect me. So Rebbe said, oh my gosh, we need to schedule an appointment with a doctor. Because he says, said, I'm 80 with one foot in the grave, and believe me, it affects me. So if you're 18 and it doesn't affect you, we, there, there's a medical issue somewhere. We, we need some help quickly. HaKadosh Baruch Hu built us <coughs> that our relationships move forward. And that's where HaKadosh Baruch Hu made us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted the world to be Kayam and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. That's, that's the Kayach put in us. So platonic relationships tend not to remain platonic or Plato isn't as platonic as we thought. One of the two. But, 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 but it, 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 it works that way. And, and it's nothing... A person needs to pull back my Rebbe Yochai Shmulevitz once asked, it says by Yosef HaTzadik, it says, it says, Hayom Ro'avayonos, the Yam saw and ran away. Ma Ro'avayonos, what did the Yam see and run away? Beschus Vayonos Yosef HaChutza, Yosef ran out. So Yochai says, so it's not a schus. He ran away from the challenge. So why is that a schus? So Yochai answered, the challenge of Arias is to never get into it in the first place. Once you're stuck, you can't get out. The fact that Yosef HaTzadik said on himself, if I don't get out now, I'm not going to stop. The relationship is not going to remain platonic. If I, don't, if I don't run now, I'm in it. That was the way to deal with it. Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch built us to, be, to, be, to, to become very physical and that's a Kim Olam. In its right place and time, this cements a relationship in, in, a, in a way that only marriage can do. But um, understanding how powerful it is and, and, and how many relationships start as the time did not end as that is, is to is be honest with yourself. And therefore, at, at this time in life, it takes away from building yourself from becoming the person you can become. The energies, the, the libido of a person should be focused on driving himself higher in the learning, in ruchnius, and so on. That's his focal point. When the right time comes, building it with another person and sharing your ideals, values, emotions, and physical self is what a Baruch wants. Doing everything in its right time 
allows for it to fall into place appropriately. Um, it, it's, it, it, at, at a younger age, it, it demands a lot of your emotion, mind, time, and leaves you empty. In the right time, it becomes the fulfillment of, of a person to become an Adam Shalim. Using the current war as an example, but really you could use any calamity, is it ever proper for a Rav to give reasons why things happen of this nature? So I want to quote a Joshua Sarai from Yisraeli Torah. So it's good that uh, it's reminded. Um, the Ran says, it's a Joshua Sarai. The same Ran in the back of the Gemara wrote on, on Chumash, 12 Joshua They are very fundamental in Yanim. It's a little not easy to learn because he tends, he goes off on tangents a lot. But he says the following. He says, um, when Klal Yisrael was standing in Yamsuf, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, leave Yitzrayim, go back, go to Baal's phone, they had no idea what was happening. And they could have wondered what's going on. He says, I doubt, that's what the Ran says, I doubt even Mesh Rabbeinu knew. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu's machshavis are beyond our machshavis. And then he says, and certainly we today have no reason to think that we understand what's happening. If you ask the people there, they had no clue. That's what I'm quoting Iran. So he said, certainly today, nobody should have a habamim. They know they can read HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mind, so to speak. And, and, and I think it's critical. We do have to, there's a halacha. There, there's halachas tiniest. It's a parish in the Torah, it's a Mesechta, it's a Chayot in the Rambam, and, and, and it's a Simoni When difficult times comes, we need to search our Nishama, ourselves, and ask ourselves, what can we become better? We do not look for hints, we don't look for gematrius, we don't look for any of that stuff. And, and, and that's why um, the, the, the things are, are um, you know, and the worst problem is everybody sees it from their own angle. When there was Loa Lenu, um, they had, there was a few years ago, uh, Ramir Tversky was going to be in two days. His brother, he had a brother, Moshe Tversky, Shemian Kamdomai, was a giant of a person, a giant. And they knew him personally. He was incredible, Adam Gadol. He and four others were gunned down in Harnov in, 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 in Terrible. It must have been seven, eight years ago. And they were in shul, they were gunned down by davening. This is terrible terrible. So there are posters up about why it happened. Everybody knew. The question was, party A said it's party B's fault, and party B said it's party A's fault. I, 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 I read those stuff. I was here. I happened to be here. So everybody knew, but everybody projects their feelings on, on the other person. You know, so it's because of them, because of them. Um, so, it t- one, I don't think, I think it's hubris for a person to think he can figure it out. And we tend to twist it um, in the ways that, 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 that we tend to twist it. Because everyone's got their thing, and everybody reads it the way he wants to read it. So, so are we just reinforcing what's wrong in us? Are we really knowing the emiss? So, I, I would suggest people need to take it to heart. It, that's the whole Indian of kindness. And everyone needs to search their own soul, every community needs to search themselves, what can we do different?
You know, it doesn't say anywhere about looking for for gematrias or muslim and especially since there's so much stuff that gets churned out, and you say to yourself, I don't know. So, I'm sorry? What's our association be with either major Tamil and Hafan who have come out and said things like this, whether it's post-Holocaust to reasons and things like that? I can tell you my Messoris. We're speaking about different Messoris. When, in, it was 1977, I think it was, Sadat came to Israel. And for you, it's ancient history. I still remember, I believe it was 77 or 78. It was, it was one of those years. Um, it was after Begin was in power, and Sadat came to visit. I can't explain how shocking it was. It was as if the Iranian uh, Ayatollah would come to would would come to visit to say he wants to visit him. Half the people said it's the beginning of new era, peace in the Middle East, and it's going to be shalom v'shalva v'ava v'achvareyus and so on. Half of the people said this is a ploy. He's coming with. A hundred soldiers, and they're going to bomb everything in the Vchula Vchula, and this is the biggest trap we're walking into. Those were two shitas, and many in between. My Rebbe Chaim Shabbat walked into Yeshiva, and it's very uncharacteristic. He got up and he said, Rabbi Isai, we don't know what's happening, but whatever it is, it needs a lot of filler. Let's stop it. And, and they said, till the middle of Seder, um, it, 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 and Rav Chaim's approach was, and this is the approach that is my Messiah's, is we don't have to, we're not guessing what it is, because it's hubris to think we can guess. We do need to be in this aura. Sadat coming, something, something big is happening. It's, it's unusual. It's, it, it, it could be a tremendous opportunity, could be Hashem, tremendous Esur, it could be both. Tefillah is what we need. So that was my personal service, and and it's reinforced. So I, you know, I know what to tell you. That's the. Um, is it worth it to investigate philosophical questions and the biggest challenges of Judaism, if one is satisfied with their emuna, and even if they could not defend it if asked, they have emuna pshuta? Or on the flip side, with everything now being questioned in the postmodern era, and atheism and no such thing as objective truth being popularized. <laughs> And all these questions one has, how do we move to a place of a moon of Shuta? So, obviously, Civil Spring is very philosophical and so on, so that's why, that's why the question was, a, the, the, um, nobody has platonic relationships in Civil Spring, only, only deep, deep philosophical. <laughs> um, so, uh, two points. First of all, the Rambam writes, in Hilchis Avodah that a person is in is a person is not allowed to raise questions of emuna. Rambam. Now, why not? I mean, if, if it's emes, it's emes. If not, not. And the Rambam says because you don't know if you can trust your reasoning to come up with the emiss. So a question is easy to ask. An answer it needs a lot of chachmah. So my understanding of the Rambam is that if a person has these questions, a person grows up in an environment where ABC is taken as, as Pashit, and it's coming to Amunah, he needs to put these questions to rest. Then he needs to deal with those questions. 
if a person is comfortable with his amuna and and uh, and he um, to raise these questions is wrong. Let me give you a marshal. Imagine a person is married and the marriage is troubled and it's a lot of conflict. You sit down with somebody and and part of the questioning process is to see how compatible these people really are and what are the issues and so on and so forth. And a lot of questions, difficult questions, might have to be asked. Imagine a person is happily married. Baruch Hashem, married years and things go. Some constant says, did you ever think about the marriage? Baruch Hashem, it's, no. Do you really think she's for you? Is it, re- is it really a good relationship? Are there, aren't there things that you don't see eye to eye? Now, that line of questioning, so if you're a divorce lawyer, it's perfect. Then, then you, have that, uh, that you, have your, you have your next Parnassa. But is it, is it a smart thing? Because enough question, questions are always better than answers. And it becomes poison. If, some, if someone can sit down with you, there are plenty of people smarter than you. People can convince you communism is right. How many people fell off the face of the earth because they were convinced communism is right? It, it, the people convincing were smarter than they were. So if a person is, Amuna is troubled, naturally, then you need to, to resolve it. That's what Ram wrote Mordevuchim. The Ramah lived in a world of context. We needed to address these issues. But is it right to sit and to poke at a good relationship when, when you really are not going to come up with something? That's the issue of Losasuru. So when we grow up in an environment, the natural questions that we have to understand and the natural issues we need to deal with. To sit and try, you can question everything and 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 at, and at the person, at the person doing the question is smart enough, you'll be baffled. So if a person's amuna is deep and the person feels it, realizing himself through his amuna, then then why? It's just like you. Why would he? Why would he engage in something destructive? So if a libidem is there were no answer. So in science, for instance, if you're wrong, you're wrong, even if you're happy with it. But you don't have in science. You can experiment, and you can prove it right or wrong. In philosophy, you can't. And, and there have been so many philosophers, and no two have ever agreed. So the biggest minds are not alike. Aristotle and Plato and Socrates were three brilliant people. They didn't agree. Many, many machlokas, many, many different shitas. Socrates is hard to know because we only have his period through Plato. But, but, but Plato and Aristotle disagreed. So, so the brilliant minds can't come up with answers. So if I raise questions that never bothered me, then, 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 am I doing myself a service or disservice? Yes. What about what would I say about learning basic points of other religions just to be familiar if somebody else is to come and speak to you about the different Okay, so let's say a person lives in a Christian world, with a, with a heavily Christian world, with a lot of with a lot of interaction and hear stuff. I hear. But should you learn about Hinduism, Shintoism, Buddhism? And they come in many different varieties. They, they, they you know, um, a Greek Orthodox versus uh, Orthodox Church versus, versus Protestant versus Catholic. And of a site. So the question is, a person needs to ask himself, why? My mother is always, 
we get vaccinated, for those who vaccinate, we get vaccinated for diseases we expect to, to, to you know, so if a person is, is in America, will get vaccinated for COVID or get vaccinated for flu. We don't get vaccinated for yellow fever unless we're traveling to an area where yellow fever is endemic. You know, so if a person lives in a certain setting where he feels, where he, feels he, he comes across these things, he wants to understand, he wants to know. There's a general knowledge, understanding what Muslim is, what Islam is, what the religion is, when it was founded. It's, you know, that, that's part of a normal understanding of the world. But understanding, grappling, quote-unquote, with issues raised by them is, should only be if there's a tactless faith. I'm in an environment that's very Christian. I'm constantly bombarded by a lot of things. So, so then I need to understand it and to deal with it. But if not, I, then what's the, what's the logic and what's the head to be on? Yeah. Um, so what's the role of Damash uh, Kashi, both the podcast and the... Uh, asking me why I put it on? Or, 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 <laughs> so, uh, what? Just, just the, the concept. So the concept is Damash Kashi means you have to ask yourself who your clientele is. If nobody, if nobody ever came and tried to convince you to be a Hindu and, and doesn't look like in this Gilgal someone's going to do that, then why do I need to answer it? Dharmasha Toshiv is when in an environment, so for instance, evolution. If, if, if you live in a place that's insulated and they'll never have a Keshitid, I don't know. But if we live in a society where we take biology, we study this, we need to understand it. In other words, the things that we're going to confront, we need to be able to confront. The things not... Today, is Christianity really an issue to anybody? I don't know. I, I, I haven't you know, I, I haven't met anybody really that, that that was a burning issue. So fine, knowing cursory understanding the, the, the broad strokes of religion is fine, but should a person delve into all the... You take a look at somebody showing them. They have the Rashba and others. They had... They had... Um, they had dialogues and, and, and arguments. It was it was important. Today, I don't know. It's hard to see that that's a, that would be important. A question posed by yeah. Guest. Somebody wants to. Yeah. Um, is the opinion of the I'm not sure. In, in, in other words, it's interesting. The Groh took issue, seemed to take issue with that Shayyichud, and the Groh suggested learning Kuzari instead, which it, it was based more on the presentation of Yiddishkeit than a philosophical back and forth. It could be the Rechulukideus. I don't know. In other words, I'm, I'm, it's hard to, we don't know exactly when the Chavaz was written, but the question was what in his milieu was, was there. In, 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 in Spain, um, people wrestled with philosophic issues people wrestle with Christianity. I don't know. I, 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 so I'm, I'm not sure. You know, as he presents a lot of... Uh, uh, but it, it never caught on. I'm not sure. The guest had asked, I think it's based on a quote from, from the Rosh Hashiva, that if a person's mind was clear, then Amuna would be a natural position, position he would take. Does that mean that Amuna is a natural position as opposed to a taught position? So I, I don't know if I ever said something like that precisely, but there, there are a few reasons. Emuna is a very hard 
point, and I, w- I want to explain why. Things that we know, we use the word I believe in English in a different way than the word Amuna. For instance, a scientist is researching a certain disease, and he says, I believe it's caused by a virus. What he means to say is that in, the, in, the, in of all the things that can cause it, the evidence of the, um, of, of the experiments he's done and, and, and the type of progress the disease makes seems statistically to fall more and more on to being a virus. So what he's really saying is, statistically, I would say 80% chance that it's a virus, 10% chance of bacteria, and 10% chance something else. That's the type. So the word I believe over there really means knowing, but something where the knowledge is incomplete and so on. Emuna means trust in a sense. Ish emuna means a person that can trust. A neemon is a person I trust. So, so let's go through that. When a person, when a person, when, if, if a stranger approaches me on a dark night and he says, could you lend me $10,000 on the need? I say, sure, I trust you. <coughs> That's not trust. That's recklessness, crazy, whatever it is. If on the other end someone comes to me and says, um, I, I, you trust me, lend me 10000 I say, sure, but I need collateral. Could you, could you give me your wife's diamond ring, which is worth $12,000, and I'll keep it for collateral for the $10,000 loan? I trust you. Well, that's also nonsense. Not trusting, it's I have it. Trust means I dealt enough times and there's something about you that intuitively I feel like a trust. It, it's something much deeper. It, knowledge is a guide for Muna. If a person just has a rally and gets everybody hepped up and believe and believe you'll be saved and, and, and everything's worked up, that's not belief, that's recklessness. That's nonsense. If a person says, like the scientist, I believe that this is the cause of this, he's talking about knowledge, not belief. Belief is a combination of a certain tuna of, of being able to say, yes, this is it, guided by Seich and Das. And that's why if you sit outside of a yeshiva, Noval Tshuva is going to become believing without having been fulfilled any mitzvahs or, or sitting in, in a base medish learning. You sit in base medish so arguments focus you. You sit in the base medrash and learn. You do mitzvahs, together the intuition and the understanding God come together. So just like I trust a person because I feel he's honest, I've had a dozen business dealings with him, and, and I, I'm using a certain tuna. And that's why emuna, there's famous say something, Chaim Briska say, others say it, that where Yedia stops, emuna starts. So it's important. Emuna is a guide. It helps understand us why we're not turned on by a Christian revival thing. Hopefully we're not turned on by an Islam call for jihad. Um, they also get, get hepped up. Um, but, but the emuna itself is much deeper. And the real kinyan of emuna is when a person learns and breaks his head, he feels, wow, there's so much emes here. When a person davens and connects and he feels there's so much kedusha. Those are the things that cement Amuna into place. That's Amuna. Yes? How do you, how do you 
respond to the classic rebuttal, which is that's just conditioning, that's just being trained. Well, I can use that argument. So, loving your spouse is conditioning, and this is that's conditioning. Loving your parents, it, 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 it's conditioning works, but I don't think um, the the at the end of the day, if you test everything, how can you marry this girl? Maybe you're just conditioned to like her. There's no proof. You'll never have proof for these things. You say to yourself, yes, it could be, but I've I've there's way too much of me in this. And I and I have to judge and say this is the MS. There's no, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's something that we have to under- differentiate in our own neshama what's conditioning and what's MS. I asked somebody once. This person had, had learned Rashi Shiva long, long, long time ago, and so it's not not telling people. Very smart, and he was he he got work. In a, he's in a in some sort of I think it was a biotech or bioengineering firm, very simple. And he was beginning to have issues. And he told me, you know, I'm with 700 people, super smart, and nobody believes. So how can I be right? So along those lines, I, I asked him. Let me ask you. Does any one of those 700 people say I found the emiss? And this is the meaning of life, and that's what you live for. He said, no. And that's why my kids are keeping from. In other words, where did all the doubt... In science, the skepticism, the skepticism brought us to, to inventing things. Where did this skepticism bring us in, in Darche I'll tell you exactly where it brought us to. It brought us to all the people that we're wrong, and Hamas is right. The brilliant... Harvard... Princeton would tolerate it. So this is the smart people with the chacham of, of doubting and questioning have come up with this. Where we can get butchered, massacred, do everything that they say is the most certain thing in the world, the women and that stuff, and no, but you know, free. So is there anyone who says, I have a life worth living for? I was reading that there was somebody who was just executed in Oklahoma or in Arkansas. Got to mix up the two states. And um, so they, the person is an atheist. So they provided him with an atheist chaplain to help guide him in his last journey. And 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 and, they, and this person was strong. In fact, is is it possible to find meaning in life and death if you're an atheist? Like, what does it mean? I'm, I'm helping you. I, I mean, after a lot of stuff, the, 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 obviously it was nothing. I mean, basically, it, it focused on his last chicken dinner. That was uh, that was good or not good. That was the the, the bottom line of it. I, I, you can read it for yourself. It's, uh, but at the end of the day, is there emis? Is there fidelity in family life like we have, where people have a spouse and that's it? Is there is there the sacrifices we do for Torah for Yiddishkeit? The, this, the, the emiss of the, of the place itself says we found something, they don't have it. They, 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 people look at families, and, and my mother, Allah Shalom, was, she lived with us for a few years. She was, she was, she was lived at 97, I think she was. The last five years of her life, she spent in an old age home near us. She used to come visit a few times a week, and <coughs> I, me and my kids, 
so most of the kids in Israel, but but whoever was in America and their kids, they'd be the only. No one else. It seemed like no one else had kids. I never met except for Mother's Day. Mother's Day was was Kaddish. I met people taking people out. Nobody ever visited anybody. And when and when she'd walk around and say, "This not my grandkid. This my great grandkid." She, she spoke. People's eyes would pop out that they have kids who are interested in them, and 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 they have children, and and they have children. I, I, I think we need to understand what a bracha our life is. I want to share a story I heard personally from somebody that that was incredible. It it it, it, it motivated me tremendously. Tisha B'av usually speak about uh, during Azal and about some great people who went through the Holocaust and things like that. And two years ago, I spoke about the Jews in Russia who were there from the revolution on persecuted. Mostly, was about 50% Chabad killed out mercilessly, starved. Horrendous. There was one person in particular who survived. His name was Motolivshitz. Motolivshitz was a Chabad Chassid. He was a Sheikh at Nemoyal. And he, the Rebbe wouldn't let him. He had a chance to come to America at some point. The Rebbe said, How can you leave? You're the last Sheikh in Nemoyal. You can't leave. He left only after the Iron Curtain fell. Incredible person. And he was sentenced. He spent. One of his sentences was in the worst Siberian camp, Kalimia, it's called. It was a place where it was minus 40, minus 50. Even hardened gangsters, when they heard they're being sent to there, would commit suicide rather than go there. That's how bad it was. He survived. And he lived to tell about it. So I spoke. It was very, very inspiring. The reading that was inspiring. A few months ago, I happened to be in my, in my children's school in, in America. Someone just himself said, I'm a grandson of Mata Lifshitz. I said, wow. He said, tell me something for your grandfather. I, I mean, it's a, so I'll tell you, we used to ask him, Zayda, how did you survive Klemia? He said, there was a niggin in my head, and that niggin kept me going. And we asked him, what niggin? And he answered, Ashreinu, Matov Chalkeinu, Umanon Goraleinu. That was the niggin that kept him. I think it's incredible. We need to look around and say, where do you have people your age sitting at 10 o'clock at night listening to an old rabbi speak? And, and, and where do you have people sitting in Harvard or Gemara? Where do you have people asking how to get into learning? Where do you have people asking about platonic relationships? Where? Where do you have another, uh, uh, another group that has that? Ashreinu. Aren't we fortunate? You know, it's... It, it, I told there was once uh, in Bias across the street in Yeshiva, um, I, there was Rosh Hashanah. We walked out. It was a very late Rosh Hashanah. It was October already or something like that. And somebody already had the Halloween decorations up. And I was speaking for the high school that, that week. And I said, you know, Rosh Hashanah, you keep us hard in Yeshiva. It's long hours, a lot of davening is net. But we're standing in front of Melchach Rachim. We're giving a Cheshman Nefesh. We're thinking about big things. What do they have? A pumpkin. Incredible. It's nothing. I mean, even Mela, their, their holiday has some meaning to it. The pumpkin doesn't mean anything. But there's nothing else. We, we learn all night shavuos. How many people could fathom that? And, and the life we live. The, 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 yes, it's challenging. It's difficult. 
but but the fact is Ashrena Matokinam Nagurlainu. And 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 be proud of it. Be proud and 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 understand that the hardship of it is what makes it special. I'll share another story. Just like that, there was a fellow who grew up in Bethesda. His parents were so secular; they didn't make a bris milah for him, and they didn't tell him he's Jewish. But he had a grandmother live with them, and a friend that came over said, "You know." Your grandmother is very similar to my grandmother. They eat like the same type of foods, like, I don't know, like salted fish or something like that, whatever it is. Check on her. She might be Jewish. So he asked his mother if her mother is Jewish. She got very upset. She said, it doesn't mean anything. The Buddha, yes, she happens to be Jewish, but it means nothing. He was on a birthright trip. Something triggered a bit. And he began looking. So he first went to a reform place. And he was so taken aback, he just said, no, that's not it. So he went to a conservative rabbi, went to serve a temple, and then he asked the rabbi, he said, I want to ask you something, I'm not circumcised. I've heard that it's very painful. Do I have to go through with it? So the rabbi said, you know, really technically you do have to go through with it and so on, but since you're so sincere and so dedicated, and I know how painful it is, I think for you, we can make an exception, and you can, you, you can continue, you know, just doing mitzvahs without going and getting a bris meal. He went back and he said to himself, if it's so easy to be mevata on it, then it's not worth it. He, he ran into somebody orthodox, and the guy said, you have no choice. He said, it, and he told me, he said, it was painful as anything, and he said, the third day was the worst, <laughs> like it says, and he said, but I knew it was real, because it demands so much sacrifice. And I think living that and understanding that and being proud of it, it, things that are difficult and tough. Nobody is proud of going to a college where you tell, yeah, it was a joke, the whole thing. You might want it to be a joke, but you're never proud to anybody, yeah, the college I went to demanded nothing. You like, you understand that, that hard work is what means accomplishment. I, I guess that's something I think we can really take away that, that um, be dedicated and focused and being proud and, and happy that our life is meaningful it's demanding but demands means there's accomplishment afterwards yeah I want to give Rabbi a few minutes to speak about it um, so I, I mean if it's Baruch Hashem, we've had over the years Baruchim from here. There's still those that are living. We've had Baruchim from our yeshiva here, uh, Baruchim from our area here. Um, it's, 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 I think it's a yeshiva where, if it's the right fit, it's amazing. Um, the learning is serious. We engage in issues in a serious way. We talk about things. Um, there's a sort of, of, it has the pleasantness of an of out-of-town community which is very valuable. People are sincere. People are MS and interact very specially. The community is a beautiful community. And, um, you know, like I say, the Shem, those people who've come, the Vesajai have been very much there. They were able to become real Bnei Torah, to, to develop whatever careers they needed to, from A to Z, of course. And we try to help people understand what fits them, what's what's what what will give them the best in terms of who they are and and a life to lead, and Bez Hashem, if if you know if it's the right place, it will it, be amazing. Whoever forever it's not there, Bez Hashem. Okay.